There's a lot in there that people like, a lot in there that people don't like, right? Maybe you like it, maybe you don't, but this was at least a sign of compromise. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. What? Almost 10 minutes after 8 on this Friday morning, Wisconsin's Morning News. We're going to kick off this hour talking about the state-shared revenue deal that appears to be have been agreed upon by the major negotiating parties. Don't hang up. Don't hang up. Hang on. Hang on. I know. I promise we'll make it a little bit sexy, or at least interesting. I think, Eric, I think we have... <laughs> sexy and look, interesting. I, look, wow. I admit. I admit. A lot of this stuff is wonky, and a lot of it is politics, and a lot of it is backdoor stuff. But it, I always say, a story is only as boring as the storyteller. Okay. So I think it's our job to make it interesting to you. So that is the that is the charge. That is the hill we ascend to today. And why you should be optimistic today? I think so. I think there's reason for optimism. Okay. Because you have a deal. You have, first of all, I said this yesterday, you have legislative leadership uh, uh, on the right side of the aisle, you have uh, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss. You got Devin Lemahieu, the majority leader in the Senate, actually meeting with the governor of the state. How long did we go in the COVID time or whatever when those guys didn't talk, much yeah. less sit down together? Didn't I know, talk. but still, like it just that sounds funny to me, like that we're celebrating that. Hey, I'll start all there. right, way to have a meeting. Yes, way to do your job for us. I'll start there and. A legit back and forth of compromise, which to me is fascinating about how this played out. So that's part of why I think we can make this interesting for you today. I also draw a parallel to between with this and what we saw at the federal level. You have House Speaker Kevin McCarthy reaching a deal with President Biden, deal that seemed unachievable for a while. The commonality here that I see is, one, you've got deals that were struck where not everybody's happy. A little something in there for you, a little something in there for us, a bunch of stuff in there I don't like, but okay. And the other commonality in terms of what drove this compromise was time. The debt ceiling had a hard limit on it. So that was that factor. The clock was ticking. And here you have the state addressing its major budget issues. They're not going to really address that again for another couple of years. The city of Milwaukee and county of Milwaukee saying 2025 is our date here where things get real ugly. If we don't figure out a revenue plan that benefits us. So you had the clock ticking, and that was sort of that specter that loomed over that. Yet both sides that had a little bit of leverage. Both sides that had things to offer that they could give up on, that they could get in return. So I think those are the commonalities between how do we reach a deal, as divided as we are in our politics, how do we reach a deal at the federal level and now a deal which, in fairness, has yet to pass. And that's one of the sexy issues I promised you today. Hadn't passed yet. That's true. But nonetheless, there's a deal, at least behind closed doors and now, presented to us. So what exactly is that deal? How about that? How about that, legislative leaders? you got city, county leaders, the governor's office all touting this compromise deal. Was that Evers just holding the... Here it is. <laughs> How about that deal? I do wonder why we haven't seen him yet. We he released a, a statement yesterday. got a statement from the governor's office. Why isn't he out there? Maybe. Hey, look, folks. Maybe he's in on vacation. Maybe he's in the Dells. <laughs> Lazy River or something? I don't know. How about that? So we'll just go with that then from the governor's office. Uh, legislative leaders and all these other folks, they got together. They got the thing done. Notably in the deal, Milwaukee County will be able to increase its sales tax, and the city of Milwaukee 
will be able to levy for the first time a sales tax. That would be 2%. And they'll be able to do it, this was the big sticking point, without asking voters for approval in a binding referendum. Stick it to them! (laughs) Right? I said yesterday, and I say again, in the city, you had folks in an unenviable position of having to defend, yes, we don't want to have to put this to the voters because we don't think they'll pass it. Stick it to them. So that's what they get. So instead, what? The common council would need to approve it with two-thirds majority and then the same with the county board. And you believe that will happen. So what you'll have is for the city of Milwaukee, a 2% sales tax that will go into effect for the first time. So if you're spending $100, that's 2 bucks extra that you would spend on something. And there, there are a whole lot of avenues to explore about the impact that could have on businesses who maybe sell big ticket items. You know, if you're buying a car or something, and the car lot is in the city of Milwaukee, well, if it's a $50,000 car, let's do the math on that. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's another $1,000, right? Quick math? I didn't mean to spring quick no, math I, on you I mean, I'm just going to say yes. Something like that, right. <laughs> Check our math if you like. But yeah, not for nothing. If you're buying big ticket items in the city of Milwaukee, having an additional 2% for the city, and then plus an additional 0.04% and, uh, for the county, that's tacking on mm-hmm. extra money. Mm-hmm. So businesses have a legitimate concern. And it's one of the reasons that some Democrats here in the city are opposed to it. Get to that in a moment. But the other part I wanted to focus on first is, how did we get to this? Because at this time yesterday, we were talking about... You don't have the votes. You don't have the votes. <laughs> Senate Majority Leader Devin Lemahieu had said he did not have the votes in his chamber to pass a deal on increasing shared revenue for cities and counties across the state that did not include, within the referendum requirement or did not, did not include that referendum requirement for raising sales tax in Milwaukee. So he said, look, if, if we take that out, we're not going to get a deal. And I can't get it passed. And Speaker Voss was out there saying, this is it. Like, last best offer, here it is. And if, if we can't get to a yes there, then we'll take all the Milwaukee stuff out. So they're, they were just saying stuff <laughs> is what we learned today. Well, and, and there's new information. So the, the beauty of a negotiation. I said sure, at some point right, you have to stop negotiating. Well, I guess they weren't done yet negotiating. Okay. That's where we got to yesterday. Assembly Speaker Robin Voss calling the news conference at the Capitol to make this announcement about that which was historic or transformational, all these things, all the adjectives they're using. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to me, that moment, so all, the, all the microphones are there, they're up at the podium, got all the folks in the media ready to ask the questions, ready to learn about this historic deal. And Voss kind of walked up there. To me, it was like an audible exhale moment. They've been working on this since last summer. Things really ramping up after the gubernatorial election, after we knew what the landscape was going to be. They've been meeting with the mayor here in Milwaukee, Chevy Johnson. They've been meeting with David Crowley, county executive. They're meeting in their own caucuses, trying to whip up the vote. Like, here, mm-hmm. this, is, yep. this is what we're working on. Meeting with the governor, meeting with each chamber, right? Lemmy Hugh and Voss didn't necessarily see eye to eye on all of this. Meeting with, meeting with, meeting with, working through, working through, working through. Okay. Okay. So here we are. <laughs> so here we are. Thank you very much for joining us at the Capitol. We are excited um, that, like so many good things that happen inside this building, uh, we are excited to announce today that um, we have an agreement on a transformational shared revenue deal. So let me give you a few details about what's in the deal, and then we'll go back over how they got to this point. So in the deal, um, again, Evers. 
Governor Evers and the Democrats get a billion-dollar additional investment in K-12 education. Part of that includes the win for Republicans. They've been pushing for increased payments and vouchers for families who send their kids to private school. So uh, Assembly Speaker Voss said that's going to expand the number of people who can participate in the program. It's also going to up the money that goes to those private schools. And so that was the education agreement that they came to. That seems to be the thing that got them back to the table. And allowed them to give on some other things. Shared revenue payments to cities, villages, towns, and counties increased to equal 20% of the state's five-cent sales tax collection and can therefore grow because of that number moving forward. We collect more sales tax. That 20% number as a whole number gets bigger. So what they kick back to cities, villages, towns, and counties is going to be a moving scale based on how much tax collection we get. And everybody's going to get more. Strings attached that Republicans wanted include that communities would see state aid cut if they reduce cops and firefighter numbers and would ban public health officials from ordering business closures for more than 30 days. So we hit another COVID sort of thing. You can't just shut down your city, village, town, whatever. That's a provision that a lot of Democrats don't like. A lot of public health officials don't like. It's something Republicans push for. It's something they got. Still doesn't answer the question, though. As to how were state legislative leaders a no vote on Wednesday and then a yes vote on Thursday in negotiation? Well, the deal changed. Here's Speaker Voss directly on that. Yeah, well, sometimes the offer and the opportunity to get wins for things you believe in are so good, you have to change your mind. Um, so, you know, if we would not have the opportunity to have this historic investment in school choice, I probably would have been a no. So there's your answer, E. School choice. Said I was a no. Governor sweetened the pot. I don't know where that offer came from. I'd be interested to know that. Did he call you or did you call mm-hmm, him and mm-hmm. say, what What else you got then? Because I'm going to drop this whole thing. What else you got? Or was it the governor saying, all right, all right. How about that? How about this? <laughs> what if we throw in the voucher stuff? What if we increase that? Yeah. How would you like that? All right. That's, get that's rid of something? The, get rid something? of the referendum and here right. we are. And so I do think it's interesting that that deal was worked out. Now, it's hardly a the deal is done, but the bill hasn't passed. It's got a road in front of it. We'll explore that next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight twenty-one on Wisconsin's Morning News, talking what uh, both Governor Evers and legislative leadership have called historic and transformational. The vote to drastically change the state shared revenue formula also allow the city of Milwaukee to levy for the first time a sales tax of two percent. Milwaukee County gets to boost its sales tax, and they don't have to go to the voters in order to get approval. They can do that with a two-thirds vote, both in the Common Council and the County Board. Actually, a question here, more of a statement, um, Mike. Texting in on the old National Bank talk and text line 855-616-1620. Phrase has been used, but those who insisted from Milwaukee that no referendum should be required from taxpayers, what about taxation without representation? Well, they, they ha- your representation are your aldermen and women and your, com- your county board members. Who will vote on this. Who will now vote yeah. on it. So phrase doesn't exactly fit in that one, Mike, but the point is well taken. They had to defend saying we don't want to put this to the voters because we don't think they'll vote for it. So now if they get that two-thirds in either body, they have to defend that to the voters. And if you don't like it, you can kick them out. Vote for the other person next time. But the city definitely wanted to go this way. We talked a little bit now about what's next. So this is a bill. Still now has to pass what the Assembly already passed. That apparently is dead. So this new bill with all of these new arrangements in it 
Still has to pass the Senate, still has to pass the Assembly. We're assuming, because Governor Evers is touting the bill, that he will sign it. So this will be just like what happened in Washington with the debt ceiling bill. We'll have, a, we'll have lawmakers spouting off, saying a few things, even though they know it'll end up passing? Yes, yeah, so already because, just because there was a backroom deal here, just because some people are on board doesn't mean everybody is. Already a number of Democrats are saying that they don't like it. Mm-hmm. Did you have, uh, was it state rep from our area? Uh, yeah, Ryan Clancy, yeah. also a, a county board supervisor. He was on TMJ4 News last night. So the, the dire state that the county and the city are in right now is in large part because of police debt, right? It's the pension obligations and all that. The answer to that is not more police. And I'd be hard-pressed to vote for something that just entrenches those ideas of uh, uh, law enforcement uh, increasing numbers forever uh, as, as good policy. So Clancy wanted everything. <laughs> I mean, like... Okay, fair enough. I know that's a sticking point, but you weren't going to get everything in a compromise bill. So is he going to be a no on that? As of now, it sounds like a no. They don't need Democrats right now necessarily to pass it. But you do need the county board to have two-thirds. So, I mean, if you're a no on one of those. Failure to do that at their own peril, right? Because this is the lifeboat that's been offered. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, Mayor Johnson has already said there's a lot of stuff in here that I don't like. But... We've been negotiating. This is a negotiation. He's going to be on with Scafidi yep. uh, in the, uh, after Scafidi takes over at 9 o'clock this First morning. First hour should be pretty good, too, with Scafidi. He'll have uh, Joe and he'll have uh, McCashin on. As the numbers shake out in the state legislature, you can pass legislation with Republican votes only. They have majorities in both the Senate and the Assembly. And if Governor Evers is saying he'll sign it, then it renders sort of moot any opposition by Democrats. However... Both Speaker Voss and Majority Leader Lemahieu hope and believe they will get some Democrats to vote for this. Well, I expect that we're going to have Democrat votes. Um, You know, there's only one Republican who represents the city of Milwaukee. There are only four Republicans in our chamber who represent Milwaukee County. So just the portions alone that save Milwaukee from the brink of bankruptcy would say that if Democrats are serious about governing, they would join the governor in supporting the bill. So you'd have to ask them, but I would expect they'll vote yes. And we have rural senators who have, will be there, just the shared revenue portion of this bill is going to be so beneficial to their districts, I'd be hard-pressed for them to vote against it, I would think. Um, if, if all your local townships and villages are getting huge shared revenue increases, how do you vote against that? So that's how they're breaking it down, and both Speaker Voss and Majority Leader Lemahieu believe they will ultimately get to yes and be able to pass this bill in identical form, going on to Governor Evers, who's going to sign it. Okay, so now what? What next? So a little bit of posturing, right? We'll figure out how many people get to say their no, because that looks good for them, even though it'll still pass, which ultimately they sort of want. I mean, they got to get, and then it's the state budget. Then they got their two-year spending plan they got to crank out. In their free time, they've been working on that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Joint Committee on Finance is still hammering out details of that, and that larger bill will then ultimately go before both bodies. Mm-hmm. And then within that, there will be individual battles. The The governor of Wisconsin, regardless of who it is, wields one of the most powerful line-item veto pens in the country, can cross out individual little bits and pieces of things and, and almost change the idea of what's even been proposed. So there will be that separate battle, but at least on this issue, and I think it was probably wise in this case to break this out from the larger budget. You don't want this thing to completely stall that process. Budget by statute has to be finished by, what is it, July 1 or yeah. end of June or somewhere in there? Yeah, but that's, I mean, it's I guess gone anything past can that be pushed. before. Yeah. It has. A couple of questions here coming through on the old National Bank Talk and Text Line. 
As part of the agreement, will Milwaukee County be allowed to raise their sales tax by the 0.375% initially quoted or by the 0.5% that the county insisted they needed? That actually was part of the deal. That number would go up to 0.4. So they got an additional 0.025% added on to what they wanted. So that's a... Not for nothing, but there's a there's a county sales tax already in place. This adds mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the city, then you get the double banger of the city county uh, the city sales tax and the county sales tax. So there is definitely a cost to people who live in Milwaukee County and to the people who live and do business in the city because of the pension situation. The their bankruptcy was in the near future. Something has to be done. Whether or not this is the best way, it's something. Residents of MKE are taking a huge hit on this. They will pay 2.4% more for everything they buy for the rest of their lives to pay for the sins of the past leaders and the horrible pension deals. And the amount of money that will be funneled to private schools is unprecedented will further expose bad public schools in the future. There's a lot in there that people like, a lot in there that people don't like, right? Maybe you like it, maybe you don't, but this was at least a sign of compromise. You think this ultimately passes, right? I do. I mean, I, I think you'll hear some things, though. You'll, you'll hear some people complain about it. You'll hear some criticism of it, right or wrong. You'll hear that criticism, but I think ultimately it does end up on the governor's desk. How about that? Confirmed. 831 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Steve Scafidi tells us uh, Mayor Johnson confirmed to join him uh, just after the 11 o'clock news this morning. So in the 11 a.m. hour, Steve Scafidi has Milwaukee Mayor Cavalier Johnson. on Wisconsin's Morning News. The unprecedented federal indictment for former President Donald Trump sets up a court appearance in which he is compelled to appear on Tuesday. So do you think they're going to chalk out their spaces along the parade route on Tuesday when the former president goes from Mar-a-Lago to right. Miami? All For the su- sure. Going to be a lot of that. 24 hours in advance. Do you get 24 hours to I don't put know out that, your chairs I don't know in Miami? They, what are the they've rules? They've issued a 4th of July style <laughs> rule on when you can place chairs. And when did they do the fireworks? Is that after the court appearance? <laughs> Or before Maybe the during. appearance. Uh, it will be quite the spectacle on Tuesday because he has several days to prepare for this and plan for this. And, of course, this is in Florida, so it's a little bit more hospitable. It's not Manhattan. The, yeah, toward the former uh, commander-in-chief. Um, so, yeah, he'll be there on Tuesday. They're already prepping for this appearance, this indictment. Of course, this is dealing with his... Um, those documents, you may recall, the FBI sees more than 100 documents with classified markings on them from his estate in Mar-a-Lago. And uh, some of those folders, another 43, were empty. It said classified on them, but there's nothing in the folder. So where did they go? What happened to that? So now he is looking at seven counts, and we'll see what happens. He is claiming innocence. I'm innocent, and we will prove that very, very soundly and hopefully very quickly. But really, this is a this is a big deal that's going to be a, a big fight. We're talking about very serious charges in multiple directions and an all-encompassing investigation that really run the gamut of the retention of the documents as well as uh, attempts to obstruct efforts to, uh, alleged attempts to try to obstruct efforts to, to get them back, uh, lying to people along the way yeah, about so it. Yeah, so all of that obstruction and all that, that was ABC's is that Klein? Rick Klein. Yeah. And he also had this to say as a reminder. Federal prosecutors rarely miss 
this when they take swings this big. Yeah. So whenever they're going to take a swing like this, generally they hit their mark. Is his point there that they know this is unprecedented? They think they can get them. And I mean, right. Right. This isn't just. And by the way, this one trumps, no pun intended, the uh, Stormy Daniels hush money case that's in New York. This one is a lot bigger than that one. Well, and then the more recent case where you had a ruling against Trump, but it wasn't a criminal trial. That was a civil trial, yep. the one with the department store woman. And the worst thing that could have happened to the president in that case actually did, but all it was is a payment right. that of $5 million, which you know he would have to make to her. But mm-hmm. it was a ruling against, but it wasn't a, a criminal charge. So completely different deal here this time around. So everything on Tuesday will come and go, and then we'll move from there. But also, we have a campaign that's taking place, right? So what happens with that? We're still six, seven months away from the start of the primary process, two and a half months away from the beginning of the debate season. No decisions and no choices have been made. I'm not buying for one second that he's politically bulletproof just because he survived scandals before. This may be different, or it may be that the weight of all of this is different. Or it may not be different at all. I mean, it really could come down to just uh, primaries are a long time from now, as you heard Rick Klein just say. Depends on where this is in the news cycle, maybe for some people. Well, and but the and the difference here as well is has he survived sc- scandals or questions before in the terms of, in terms of public opinion? Yes, surely, right? He's been able mm-hmm. to do that. In fact, after the ruling came down against him in New York, his poll numbers went up. Yeah, and there's some fundraising uh, machinations in place for this too. And so there, so there is that factor. But regardless, you're going to have a jury of twelve who will decide whether or not like he's convicted of a criminal charge. It's only that group right now that rules on this. Now, you mentioned that there could be appeals all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Yes. But right now, in that room, ultimately, it's going to be 12. 12 people. So who all is part of that parade route? Would you have a Are band? on the parade route? Would Rudy Giuliani be on one of the floats waving? I don't know that the former president wants much to, <laughs> much to do with America's mayor. So much anymore. How'd that now, work out? Do other other uh, other uh, candidates for president do they get to walk in the route and like wave and shake hands and hand out buttons? Are they allowed part of it's this? Not one? that kind of parade. <laughs> See, now you're gonna get people mad. You're joking about this. Well, it's gonna it's going to be a spectacle. This is the, what happens on Tuesday is going to be unbelievable as far as the amount of attention, the amount of people, and and. Like I said before, the president, former president's going to have days to deal to like prepare for this now and know which way to go, where to speak from if he wants to speak in this uh, in this matter. We do know that the the indictment will be read at some point, so that'll happen on Tuesday as well. It's still a sealed indictment. Um, yeah, because right now they haven't exactly shown their cards. There's been a lot of sourced reporting. Sure. Yep. And. For better and for worse, sometimes that sourced reporting ends up being exactly accurate. You had two years of sourced reporting on Russia collusion that turned out to be a big nothing burger. Even the things that remained questionable were on obstruction of justice, but none of that ultimately ended up... I feel like this is different, though. I'm just saying, just because you have a source on a network saying, well, somebody told me this. Sure. A lot of different ways that you can learn that. Either somebody lied to you, or you're going with one source that maybe you believed or didn't, but, well, somebody told me this. Do you throw candy? Again with the parade. parade. <laughs> <laughs> Do what you want. 842 on Wisconsin's Morning News.
847 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Running out of time here on this Friday. Lots more to talk about. Two pieces of video that are going to cross your social media feed or you'll see on the news today. Both of, well, one is actually multiple videos, but uh, both are legit. The videos are real. One story is definitely true. One story, we don't know what to make of it. So let's go with the definitely true. Dude got eaten by a shark. And somehow this ended up on social media. Right. It's, Great. it's everywhere now. So this is uh, not domestic. This is uh, off the coast of Egypt. Think, Brandon said, Red Sea. Nope. I ain't watching it. Nope. There's a guy, it looks like, and I'm being completely serious here, it looks like a scene out of yeah. Jaws. The shark is attacking this guy. He's in the water and eventually actually ate him whole. They And we know that because the shark was brought ashore and... You know, they took care of it. And, yes, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that video is out there, nope, and it's definitely it. real, and that may be on your feed today. What do we make of the aliens in Vegas? So there's 911 of this. <laughs> Family calls 911 to say that there is large non-human beings in their yard. So listen to this 911 call. This is Alex Stone reporting on this. 911 emergency. In this 911 call audio obtained by ABC News, a man reports something just crashed into his backyard and there were 10-foot-tall non-human beings that survived the impact. Okay. Like their eyes look like neon. Like you can see very bright from very far away. <laughs> what? <laughs> neon eyes and what? I can see them glowing from very far so away. So now okay. listen to this. So Alex proceeds going, so Vegas cops show up. And they have body cam, so you can hear what they're saying, but there's also things that they catch with their body cam. But listen to what the cop says. Las Vegas police responded, body cameras picking up the response, and officers saying, Oh, I don't know. I'm so nervous right now. I have butterflies, bro. <laughs> That's, That's an actual police officer responding to this call. Nervous. A little right. unsure. A little bit more. Once they got to the home, the family there said the strange-looking beings had been there, but they were gone. It was like a big creature. And add to the mystery, shortly before that, an officer's body camera picked up something that looked like a meteor in the sky. Yeah, so there's body cam and it looks kind of like a spaceship. Something. There's a there's a huge glow. And it's dark. It's at night, of course. Right. And it's dropping rapidly. Which sort know. of corroborates dude's story about something dropping in his backyard or whatever. You know what it reminded me of? It's a pretty deep cut, but it reminded me of Avatar when the spaceships are first coming back to the planet in the new Avatar movie, and they look and they're like, oh my gosh, they're coming back. The sky people are returning. That's what this video reminded me of, sky people returning to the planet. It was just one ship, though, yeah, and just, just a, few, a few of the aliens with the glowing eyes. So there again, a case where the video is real. It's coming from police body cameras. It's been vetted. So that video is real. What's on it, we don't know. And whether or not this cat saw beings in his backyard, 10 an, feet tall. I'm having a hard time believing that. It, but, that's a bridge anyway, too far. Yes. Well, how would they not be seen? Everyone's got ring cameras. Everyone's all, got surveillance cameras. Everyone's got all this stuff. Yeah, we can't see these 10 foot tall non-human beings with laser eyes. Come like, on. where did they go? Come on. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> Maybe they got beamed back up by oh, another ship. Didn't. You don't know. They you don't know how not. that could have happened. Well, oh, and you should talk because you faked me out yesterday with this. <laughs> Eric, yesterday I'm talking, uh, we're, I'm just outside the newsroom and I'm having, I don't know if I want to call it a meeting, but I'm in a conversation that was business related yeah. with one of our other teammates here. So I was engaged in something. Mm -hmm. 
But it wasn't like I was behind closed doors and you banged on the gl- on the glass. No, but you know. guys were busy working, right? And talking. But Eric comes out hot from the newsroom with a piece of paper in hand, you know, wa- waving it around, and I can see it's got the big Common Council seal on it. So it's the thing that we typically would get a news release from the Milwaukee Common Council yeah. on. And also, you know, we usually get maybe one or two a week, something like that, from the Common Council, something they're working on, a statement from one of the older people. Rarely something where you would interrupt me in a conversation, though, to be like, "Hey, I need." Right. But that happens, obviously, in our line of work. Something's hot, something's breaking, or needed to get this in front of you so you know. You got to see this, yeah. Right. So I thought there was a sense of urgency about it. Okay. Eric presents me with the news release and then says, and you name the alderman. I'm not going to. (laughs) (laughs) You see what this guy's doing? We've been having the conversation about what to do with Brady Street because, tragically, yet another person who was critically injured on Brady Street by a reckless driver, and there are all these conversations back and forth. In fact, they've made it into the committee and testimony level in Milwaukee mm-hmm. about maybe we should shut down Brady Street to vehicle traffic. Like, it's gone that far. Yeah, trying to figure out a way to help. That debate is happening. Yes. So here's Eric waving the news release around saying, hey, do you see what so-and-so alderman is? <laughs> they want to turn Brady Street into, like, Venice. Yeah, with like gondolas. So they make, they wash out the road and it, they turn it into a river with gondolas and that would prevent vehicle traffic. And I look at you like, no. And you're like, yeah, like they'd flood Brady Street. <laughs> <laughs> now my brain immediately races to like, how would they even do that? Like, would they trench it out? <laughs> would they have to dig down and trench it out? No, they just open up all the hydrants. I'd be like, no businesses are going to be okay with this. I'm actually <laughs> yeah. working through the mental gymnastics of like, you can't be serious. And he and Eric's so good at this. He gets me every time on this. He hands me the thing and I start reading it. <laughs> it's just a random press release. I Any other, it was yeah. a real press release, but on something totally unrelated. I got to paragraph three before I look back up at you. I'm like, I don't see anything on the, on the moat, right? On the canals. And then he starts laughing. That's I got you. I got you. Well, is it so? That's not going to happen, though. Part part of the reason you did is like, is it beyond the realm of absurdity that? Somebody in the Common Council would be like, you know what we should do? Like, if it would save just one life <laughs> to, to turn Brady Street into a moat. <laughs> but only in the summer months. Well, of, co- of course, right. Then what? Will we ice skate on it or drain it down? <laughs> should I, I should tell the Nustard story. Uh, do we have time? Right. I don't care. Sorry, Scafidi. Uh, it, the, the one he got me most on, Greg, were you there for the Nustard story? You were there when it happened, right? Greg Pancake Hill produces the program. The best part is how angry you got. Not even at me, but angry you got at the belief that what I was telling you is real. Were you there for that one? At the table? I don't think so. Let's see if I'll chime in if Spalding I remember. Spalding tell the story. Yeah. So we're sitting around talking. It was uh, around the anniversary of the Columbia disaster. And Dr. Laurel Clark, of course, from Racine, was um, on that ill-fated yes. voyage. And Eric had mentioned that she had spoken to Dr. Clark's husband many years ago. Yeah, like, and he lives in, in Texas. So yes. I think during the 10-year must have been. Yeah, when you talked to I, I called him and, yeah, we, had a, we ran it on the afternoon show. Right, and we were talking about, about yeah. either should we try to get back in touch with yes. him and have him on yeah. the show or should we yeah, run some of your other stuff that, that you had? And then yeah. I'm like, and I, obviously you... you you know I'm a space person, so like I was super interested in it. And, and remembered the Laura Clark. You were yeah. down there, I think, for part of that, right? Anniversary was coming yep, up, yep, and yep. so uh, I was really super interested to it. And then Eric says, well, I'm not sure I should reach out to him again, though. Like, it was kind of weird. Like, we wanted to talk about Laurel Clark, of course, and uh, all of that. But he kept insisting that, like, as a condition of the interview, that he also be able to talk about his business. And he had since gone into business 
um, creating a new kind of mustard, <laughs> which already, right, people are laughing. <laughs> creating a new kind of a new kind of mustard that is blue. There's a blue condiment. There's <laughs> a blue condiment, and it's called mustard. <laughs> and Eric said, Eric says he just he kept insisting that we talk about that. Yeah, like he'd be more than right. willing to do this. And I suggest that yeah, the, but first we'd have to we'd have probably to bring first up have... the business venture. In your face, you were so angry, I was so mad. <laughs> Doctor Clark's an American hero. She's a naval surgeon. She served honorably. She's yeah, she did. A, a astronaut. She died in Columbia, right? And here, some would say we have to talk about Nustard. Who cares about Nustard? I lost my mind. And it's not true. And it's completely false. There is no, I, there may or may not be blue mustard, but there certainly isn't invented by this man. Was not a condition of any interview, nor is it called Nustard. And by the way, uh, for those who's look, <laughs> so looking mad. into my brain, this is just a, a coping mechanism for me. <laughs> it really is. Quite the prankster. Yes. Well, it does, Debbie, it does help when, when so many things are so awful all the time in news. Like, it just helps to have a moment to be able to, like... Is that what's called gallows humor? Well, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Same right. kind of thing, yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, Vince is now invested in Nustard. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm doing the, I'm judging the Johnsonville Top Your Brat contest. <laughs> Let me tell you what would help you from my judging standpoint. Throw a little blue nustard on there. That's a winner. 857 on Wisconsin's Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. About to hand things over to WTMJ's Steve Scafidi, who will take you up to the noon hour. You've got Milwaukee Mayor Campbell Johnson joining you just after 11 o'clock today. Yeah, and he's one of... So I reached out to three people. Governor Tony Evers, who I think is going to be on Monday. Speaker Robin Voss, I'll probably reach out to uh, Senate uh, Majority Leader Devin Lemahue today at some point. It's all the voices. Uh, the interesting thing that I was just talking about off the show, off the mic, is that this is the deal that's made. Now... <laughs> For Milwaukeeans and Milwaukee Countyans, if that's the term, they have to figure out how you're going to get the two-thirds votes. Because if that doesn't happen, then this opens up a whole interesting set of dynamics in this community. You go from bad to horrific if you can't fund your governments. How do you not? How do you not get the two-thirds votes? We're going to find out. This was the deal that was negotiated, and it doesn't get better if you vote it down. I I agree. We're going to find out who's brave and who's not brave. That's all coming up on my show. Steve Scafidi next on WTMJ. When I saw the for sale sign on his lawn, he cued me to stop, literally to go to his house to ask the question, are you moving? And he said, yes. And I said, why? He says, this is not a safe neighborhood. And I said, you're a police officer.